0: This is not restless. Okay, I know you just want to get to the show, but I'm actually here to tell you that there's a way that you can get even more restless in your life. You can do that by going to patreon.com backslash the podcast, where there are three different ways starting at just $3 a month that you can both support this show And at the same time get even more content at least one extra episode a week and often more not to mention the restless telegram channel that you'll have access to 24 7 to interact with all the other patrons if you want more restless in your life this is the way go to patreon.com backslash the restless podcast okay back to the show
1: This is Restless. Welcome back to Restless, a post mortem on the good faith debates. No, not just that. Post mortem on the young, restless, and reformed. I'm your host, Matt, joined by Pastor Michael Bowman here in the middle of the dog days of summer when it's too hot to enjoy anything in Wisconsin. And by too hot, I mean it's probably cooler here than it is for pretty much all of our southern listeners. Pastor Michael, how are you doing today? I'm doing
0: well. Do you know where the dog days of summer comes from?
1: I don't know. It's
0: it's based around the rising of uh, Sirius, the the dog star, the uh, the brightest star in the sky, and when it rises. I don't know. I mean, so it originated in a certain area right and sure. so what what are the dog days of summer for us maybe different than originally the dog days uh, but that's where it originally came from i learned because oh. one night i was uh, i was all alone my family was was visiting family and I, so I was all alone and i went out really late at night to do a little stargazing and i looked up and i saw this star and i was like that's the brightest star i've ever seen and i know it's not a planet what in <laughs> the world is that and it was serious wow so I learned. Wow. And then I read a little bit about the dog days of summer.
1: Wow. And interestingly, just so everyone knows here in the Northern Hemisphere, we are indeed in the dog days of summer. So
0: we did uh, it. Well, yeah, Sirius has, has risen. I have seen it. I don't know if Sirius is always there too. I don't actually know. I don't know. I don't know a lot about astronomy. I know very minimal. I'm just learning everybody, but I'm here. I'm ready to go, Matt. I'm, Like you said, we don't just do uh, a review of bad TGC content. Sometimes we do good TGC content. I don't actually know if we have. (laughs) (laughs) Now now that I come to think of it. I did recently send somebody a TGC article on infant baptism that was very good. And uh, I had found online, somebody shared and shared it with a friend. and It was actually incredible. It was very good. One of the better um, defenses of pedo baptism that I've ever read actually. Um, and that came from, uh, TGC. So, so anyway, I do share good TGC content, believe it or not.
1: Well, everybody, if pastor Michael sends me a link to that, uh, TGC article, I will include that good TGC, TGC (laughs) (laughs) in, in the show notes of this show. But actually, Pastor Michael, um, our accidental, but Pastor Michael's brilliant um, transition into today's topic that we are discussing, discussing the stars in the sky, discussing knowledge of astronomy. We are coming back to the Apostles' Creed, and today we are going to at least make our way through the final part of the first stanza of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. So we have discussed belief in God. We have discussed, we spent a nice time discussing um, all the things, um, not all the things, but some of the implications of God being a father. And now we will discuss what it means that God is the creator of heaven and earth. Hmm. So, Pastor Michael, you um, recently preached through the Apostles' Creed. Uh, Is there anything in particular on your mind when it comes to, uh, as a place to begin, as we discuss, we can, again, we can be as expansive or specific, the doctrine of creation, um, God as the creator. Yeah,
0: I think it's good to just start with uh, in the beginning. Um, What was in the beginning? In the beginning, God right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the opening words of Genesis, in the beginning God. And the very fact that God is creator uh, means that he is not created, right? He is not, if, if we draw a hard line and say on one side is creator, on the other side is creation, um, on one side is that which is totally independent, on the other is that which is dependent um, for its very existence on anything else. Uh, God is the only thing in that upper category, right? Mm -hmm. He is the only one. Um, and the very fact that he is, I mean, there's so many implications of that, um, that both for us and, and for how we understand who God is, what he is. Uh, but, um, at, at very least we can say we are all dependent upon him both for our life, um, as well as then should be subservient to him in our life as the one who has created all things uh, he is by very definition, the sovereign one, the the one who is in control, the one who um, all things belong to, and a king, right, you could say, I, I mean, he is the father. Um, so we owe him mm-hmm. honor and praise in a way that that uh, isn't true in any other way or in any other relationship.
1: I think that, yeah, those are both great places to start. I I think the first one is um the one of the essential ways of of thinking about God, right? We have this we have the ultimate test of if you are God or not. This is how you can figure it out. Did you make all things? <laughs> <laughs> and the, and that's it's I know it's simple. It's either you made all things or or not. And so this latest, is where latest um, buzzfeed scriptures argument that over and over <laughs>
0: The latest BuzzFeed quiz is, uh, quiz you know, did, are you, are you God? Question one, did you make all things? No,
1: you are not God. <laughs> right. It's great. And that, that is exactly, um, that is exactly where the apostles creed begins. Um, the second thing I think you brought out that's really good is, um, being part of creation inherently means you are you have a dependent existence right we are inherently dependent on lots of things in creation right we're dependent we are you can think about physical dependence air water food shelter right um we can think about personal. We can think about independence we have with our families. The way God has set up the church to run, we are dependent um, in all these things. Um, and so, I think that, um, yeah, I just think that that those are those are places to get. And God is in the other category. Um, he is in the uncreated, um, independent category right that as much as fire might be a good idea becoming financially independent retiring early you are never independent right even if you have a ton of money in a bank account you are still um dependent on both others and of course on um on god pastor michael let me ask another question as we come to this line of the creed with where the the doctrine of creation is located in the creed. Does the creed mean to say that only God, the father is the creator of all things.
0: That's a really good question. Leaving out
1: the spirit and Christ.
0: Yeah, that's a really, that's a really good question. Um, uh, It's not. uh, It is uh, putting the, the, creation uh, particularly in the you know this portion that that maybe we would more directly tie to the father um but on a, a theological level obviously we we understand that um all the acts of the godhead um are things that each person of the godhead participates in right it's not as though there is god the father over there and you know god the son over there and they don't you know sometimes they act independently, uh, and, um, they're kind of separated, but then sometimes they agree to do something together. No, they are, they're one God. Um, it, it doesn't work that way. And so actually what we learn in scripture, um, is that, um, though it is true that, uh, in a certain way, in a particular way, the father, um, does create by speaking all things into existence. Yet the word that he speaks all things in existence through, is the Word. It is the Son. Um, the Son is the Word of God through whom all things are made. This is John 1.1. 1, 1. Um, this is Colossians 1. Uh, and then on top of that, we have the work of the Spirit um, on uh, right in Genesis 1, right? And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, Genesis 1.2. So what you have is you have all uh, persons of the Godhead at work in creation um, as the father, you could say, uh, you know, speaks through the son and then the spirit applies that work. He, he mm-hmm. is at work kind of, you know, in a sense on the ground, right. Hovering over the waters. He, he is the one that is applying those things which have been, have been created. And so um, the, each person of the
1: Godhead is at work in the work of creation i think that's good i think the i'll point out two things with this and these are things that you could read a lot more on in a professor i have who wrote a book called trinity the trinity an introduction scott Swain. scott swain Uh, (laughs) a lot of tongue twisters today yeah shout out to that rts um um professor when we think of the works of the trinity of course every single work of the trinity um all the divine acts creation redemption things only god can do has to be attributed to the father and to the son and to the holy spirit why because if the father son and spirit are equally god they all must do the acts of the one divine god yes um, and so It is fascinating when you look throughout Scripture, you see just what Michael said. You see the Father acting through the Son in the power of the Spirit, right? You see John pick up on the language that is found in Genesis 1 that we might say is a bit, um, it's a bit concealed. But John, as Pastor Michael pointed out, picks up on the language that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. And right, God made all things through the Word. Right. And we see in Genesis one, the spirit of God hovering over the waters. And we see that same terminology of spirit hovering. We see it in the Exodus with the glory cloud. We see the spirit descending on Christ. Right. We, we see all of these actions. Right. The revelation of Jesus at his baptism, as an example,
0: the father,
1: yeah. son and spirit. And they all act because there is only one divine will. There's only mm-hmm. one power. There's only one agency. Yes. And we might say that they are, I think that there are different modes of acting, right? That, yeah. But because of the persons, they we describe how they create differently. But yeah. there is one God. So there's only one agency, right? So there aren't three creators. There aren't that's three right. creation acts. It's there's so one. important.
0: Man. And that's so good. And, uh, you know, Abraham Kuyper um, at one point expresses that, you know, the way that we, Speak of the distinction in the different persons of the Godhead um, in in their work, and again, as Matt's saying, this is not to distinguish them to such an extent that we say that none, of, you know, they're totally separated. That we have three different gods at work that are just working together um, on a team or something. No, there's one God, but if we are to distinguish them, um, he says that, you know, we should think of the father as the author of all things. The son as the mediator of all things and the spirit as the perfecter of all things. Mm. So author, mediator, perfecter. I think that's really helpful. And you see that play out. You see it play out in creation. Like we said, you see it play out in redemption um, that this kind of author, mediator, perfecter um, kind of idea. And you don't like with anything when we're talking about the Trinity, you don't want to take that so far that you say these things are radically distinct from one another, uh, but it does help you see some of those works, uh, in the scriptures, um, that that you might not otherwise see, um, where each part of the Godhead is, is at work,
1: yeah. And I think again, and so then the, the other question then begins, then why does most of Christian theology following the Apostles' Creed generally attribute creation to the Father. And I think it's what Michael is getting at, that we can look at the different acts of God and how each member of the Trinity, each mode of God, um, each person of God of acting, how they shine forth in a particular thing. The Father, the source of all things, unbegotten, he shines forth in the, overflow of himself in creation just like he eternally generates the sun and the spirit proceeds from him right well we're going to talk about for probably a few weeks how the sun as the mediator of all things shines forth in the works of redemption of the lord jesus christ and the incarnation and his death and how the spirit particularly shines forth in the way he brings all of those beautiful things to fruition in the christian life and in the church right And so this is why um, we, we, it's good. It's good to say that I believe in God, the father almighty maker of heaven and earth. Um, Pastor Michael, do you have anything more on this or should we begin discussing some things about the creation that God made?
0: Yeah, let's do that. Um, And if I can just jump in and start um, and maybe I'm getting ahead of you. And so, you know, go ahead and tell me if I am, Uh, but we have that, you know, um, God is the maker of heaven and earth, right? And that's how Genesis 1-1 begins. In the beginning, God. Uh, We're drawing that line. Okay, in the beginning, God. uh, He's on top. But he made the heavens and the earth, um, which means everything, right? So, uh, you know, everything uh, that has been made was made uh, by God. And everything that was made, you know, was made through, through Christ. Um, again, to look at John one one, which it's, it's good. I think I actually did this on Sunday for a very different reason than talking about creation. Uh, but uh, if you just read Genesis one one and John one one, kind of inter intertwine them, right? If you started with with John one uh, one, uh, or one 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 and two, and then you jump to Genesis one one and two, and then you jump back. To John 1, 3 and keep reading, uh, there, it just is, it's almost seamless the way that it just all follows through. Uh, but just to read uh, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that mm-hmm. was made. So everything that is was made through him uh, but it's good to think to recognize that it's not uh the it's not as though god as creator um, created some of the things we see and then some of it came about in other ways no he created everything anything that's been created he created that's right
1: that's right i think that's again that is so important it is you know the exhaustive nature Of creation and it is a further emphasis on god's complete sovereignty over it right god there's nothing that exists and therefore no cause or effect that has ever been caused or affected that god did not put into motion right this is why if you take a pretty high doctrine of creation um the things where we the things we discuss with calvinism basically are a natural result of it and there's no stopping it Yeah, I mean, the
0: moment you start with in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You're right. You just the conclusion to that, if you understand that to be the case, is what we would refer to also as Calvinism.
1: Yeah, I agree. And now I think um, there's another thing that when we think about the doctrine of creation, um, I think it's something that is underappreciated. And, but I'm talking to Pastor Michael, so I'm hoping to get him on a classic tangent that he and others will enjoy. When we look at the Bible, what is God making? Because it's there's all these things where people talk about um, how the cosmology of the Bible can't really be trusted, that they're confused, because they say things like the earth is set on a foundation, the mountains are on foundation, there are pillars holding up the heavens, right? And if, mm. if you've ever seen a really particularly blasphemous drawing of someone saying this is what they thought the world was held up like right um and you know you see this or or the you know the the water above the sky and under the sky the firmament the
0: firmament the the dome that's over the flat
1: earth that they thought there was yeah they thought there was a dome and a flat earth and now shockingly there are some people who have been like no that that is what they meant, and that is what's happening. And- <laughs>
0: I, love, <laughs> I love the extremists. Um, I love you guys. I really do. You conspiracy theorists, you have a special place in my heart where you are like, hey, these people that hate God say this, and to own them, I'm just going to like wear it like a badge. <laughs> I'm gonna, oh, you what? think that the Bible teaches a flat earth? You're correct. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Yep. And I'm scared to fall yep. off that edge. So, <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. So, by the way, flat earthers, we do have a Patreon regular Patreon segment called Conspiracy Corner. Love to have you on that particular segment if you'd like to present <laughs> that view to us.
0: I actually don't know if we'd want you on, but we love you guys. That's,
1: <laughs> we might not. That's what we'd say. Um, but, but what what does the Bible show God making? He's building a house. Yes right he's building he's building a dwelling place yeah and and what i'm what i'm getting at isn't um is that he's it's what is the kind of thing the creation is his, he's making hmm. right what is the cosmology what are we to know about what the creation is like it's a house
0: yeah it's, it's a, a house right
1: it's a home it's a household it's a, it's a place where um, obviously, if we look at the garden and if we look at the end of Revelation, it's a place where God and man are to be able to dwell together in mm-hmm. harmony. And as yeah. Calvin called it, it's to be the, the theater of the glory of God yeah. for, us,
0: for yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. Think about the Just the beauty, too, of how when you think about the creation narrative and how God, um, he creates a place and then he fills it with life. Right. Think about just that beautiful household imagery of having a space uh, like just like you or me. Right. We buy a house or we build a house and then we fill it with life. Right. We fill it with children. We fill it uh, with it. We get a spouse and we fill it with children like that is a that is um, what we see God making from the beginning. And it's not just any house. Right. I mean, it it is also it is a temple. As you're saying, this is a place where God and man meet together. And so in that Mm -hmm. way, too, it's it's creation is a temple um, in which uh, you have a place where man, as he is created from the dust of the earth, but also having the breath of life, the spirit of God breathed into him can then meet with and walk with God. That's just a beautiful and incredible thing.
1: We live in a world um, we live in a fairly closed mind age. And what many of us think is, well, if if I can tell you how something works, right, I can tell you why. We think that we think that the mechanical, the like the mechanics of a cell, right? We look under a what we see under a microscope is what's most important to know about anything, and that is not the case, right? Um, there are very important insights gotten from what things are that i have trillions of cells in my body but that doesn't tell you why doesn't tell you why the world is the way it is yeah um and i really think again i think this is this is what the doctrine of creation is um is really upholding it gives us the why it gives us what kind of world is this is it what should i expect to find in the world what Mm. what is the purpose of the world um, perhaps, perhaps this is, um, I grew up in a good evangelical, uh, setting and wanted to uphold the doctrine of creation. Very little time was spent on the why of creation, yeah. the cosmology of creation, the why of why I was made the way I was made. Mm-hmm. Do you know what a lot of time was spent on pastor Michael? Finding,
0: finding answers in... <laughs> genesis <laughs>
1: yes. and using, using genesis as it were a meant to be a primarily scientific guide for our inquiry about the world and god
0: bless ken ham and those guys and yep. a lot of stuff right so um we're not we're not just relentlessly bashing that stuff but you're absolutely right that's so much focus and it's because instead of trying to um develop and hold to a biblical cosmology, like you're saying, we have limited things down to how do we respond to the people that are saying we're just stuff. And this is how this stuff came about. Well, actually this stuff came about this way, you know, right. um, actually this is how this stuff came about. Um, and we need to definitely uh, get back to, cause here's the problem. Okay. You help a child see, look, there's a reasonable way you could say, God did this stuff. Not, uh, you know, this mindless, uh, you know, evolutionary process. You still haven't given that child much of a direction as for what they were made for, like you're saying, why they were made, the the purpose of all things. Now you can, uh, you you can do that alongside of it. But a lot of what a lot of people have received is, here's an argument for why like for for how stuff got to be what it is. But it's just stuff still you haven't dealt with the higher purpose to all things, which is what really cosmology is all about.
1: Right. And this is let me give the credit to our hardcore creationist friends. I, Right. We we might say the the battle that is often fought over because I do do not believe Genesis was written as primarily a scientific text. Right. Um. I do believe Genesis is more true than any scientific text that exists. Yeah, without a doubt. I would rather believe in right um the monsters of Genesis than, you know, whatever is written in the in latest uh, textbooks, right? I would rather believe that God made everything in the space of 6 days than, you know, whatever modern scientific account. Maybe we'll come back to the to the days, but but the reason the days and these kinds of things have become so important to them is because that is, that is the, we'll call it the site of the battle over the idea of God creating everything or not. Yeah. Right. And, and that they've picked these places to put that battle. And that is an important battle. That is essential. That is, we cannot have God, right? Are you God or are you not go back to our, our quiz if the answer is well everything kind of just comes from nothing or everything goes along or he didn't really make everything that exists well we have now just destroyed the quiz we've destroyed the biblical way of understanding who is god and who is not right so it is important um but as we as we seek to understand creation it's it has to go beyond there um because the The primary thing um, the, the Bible cares about is what kind of thing God is making. It knows you can't conceive of how he made it. It already, it gets that. It knows that. And it cares what your purpose is. It cares that you accept and embody what it means to be a creation. And the sovereignty and unlimited power and glory of your creator over the specific mechanics, and so I think that this is a place where we we I'm trying to make friends of, of two groups of people. I'm trying to make friends with the people who believe in uh, the need for a, affirming six day creationism. I am one of the people who believe in a six day creation, and I'm trying to make I'm trying to help them understand and be friends with the people who say. Maybe that isn't the ultimate test of if you believe the biblical account of creation or not. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I've tried to actually help some people understand over the years. Uh, like, there are, I know, especially if you consume a lot of answers in Genesis type media where like everything is about this, um, you can get to the point where um, you meet people, and if they don't 100% agree with your understanding of young earth creationism, you're like, obviously you went and read some secular science textbook, and now you're trying to read that into the Bible. The problem is I know plenty of guys who are rock-ribbed conservative types, right? Like biblical inerrancy. Like I believe everything the Bible teaches like to a T and will defend it in front of the most hostile audiences that are not young earth creationists because they don't believe that's what the Bible is saying. And that's, like, that's a very different thing. They're like, I was reading the Bible and because of this in the Bible, I don't think that I can hold that position completely or at least not super firmly. Um, I think they're wrong, but I do, like, I get it. Um, And we do want um, those two groups to uh, say, hey, we can come together on this, right? We, We still hold to a biblical doctrine of creation that God created all things, that he made heaven and earth, um, we, we can agree on the purposes for why things were made, even if we can't necessarily agree on the timeline.
1: Again, the example that I always give people is that uh, St. Augustine held to instantaneous creation.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: now, I do think it's important to note the Westminster divines thought he was wrong about that and the people who held that view, um, which is why they have the line in the space of six days that they were they were rejecting this kind of view. But right, St. Augustine didn't hold that because of Charles Darwinian theory. Yeah, like that right. wasn't his interest, right? He had, a, he had a very, he had a different specific interest in it. Um, so I think that we need to, I think we, when we, this is why, how do I know if the person in front of me trying to hold a different view of Genesis or whatever, how do I know if what they're doing is really problematic? You need to know, the motivation and the worldview and these things behind it, because it would be very possible for someone uh, like Meredith Klein, who made up the framework view and someone else to want to say, yeah, it's like a pictorial story of how someone would make things. And it'd be very possible for those people to hold those views for completely different reasons. We need to be careful and honest because we must defend and we must celebrate, not just defend. We need to enjoy the idea that the doctrine of creation is, is at the center of everything. But unlike some of the materials I consumed growing up, perhaps the not belief in six day creationism is not the source of all racism, pornography, um, degradation in Western society today. Right. And I don't, I don't have a problem that saying that probably a lot of it is a denial of the authority of scripture. Yeah. But I don't think it's everything. But I And the reason I make that point isn't to pick on six-day creationists because they, again, this is the battle they've picked because they are right. These things do have to do with the doctrine of creation. Yeah. If God made all men, there is not space for racism. There's not space for biological or, you know, these other things, right? If God made men and women and sexuality for something, there is not a place for pornography. There is a... There is a completely right instinct here. And so I I just think that that is a, it it, it is pointing out. And of course, creation is so good. Redemption doesn't come to erase creation or eliminate creation or do something that was better than God could have ever done at creation. Hmm. Certainly we know God made creation to be something that would mature, which is pretty amazing to think about. Yeah. Um, And obviously sin introduced a, um, An evil to it that it did not have before but but creation we are not getting beyond creation the redemption is going to restore creation to what it was meant to be pastor michael thanks for talking to me about the creator and the creation for a little while today
0: We love it. Hopefully it's helpful to everybody uh, because it really is. It really is important and foundational.
1: Yeah, it is important and foundational. Like this show, subscribe on Patreon. Also, just one quick thing to everyone who thinks Genesis 1 is a primarily poetic account of creation. I don't know why all the poetic accounts of creation in the Psalms sound nothing like the history of Genesis 1, which appears to describe six ordinary days. (laughs) that's great it's true though it's i mean that's just obviously the case right
0: it Uh, is obviously the case now of course there's poetry in genesis 1 because god sung creation into existence but (laughs) obviously his speaking was was a song and uh anyway
1: (laughs) but yeah it's just it was it's just yeah just when i
0: it feels like a cheap cop out, much like what we were talking about with like the Sabbath or with other things yeah. like, well, I like to go on a walk with my family. Yeah. Well, yeah. Everybody used to have to walk to church.
1: Right. Even no, like,
0: no. Yeah. I don't think anybody. I don't think anybody should be saying you can't walk. Right. Yeah. Like you can't walk on Sundays. What right. Like that's an impossible thing and silly. E- well, but e- it's recreation. Nah. No?
1: Well, it could be. It could be. I'll give it that. Even the. Even the framework view of like, well, no, what we see is it's written in a pattern of of creating and then filling. And so then that eliminates the need for them to be days. I'm like, I don't know why. Right. You know, and so I just think there's
0: clearly that pattern, right? You create the space in which you then fill. um, And that's super cool and has nothing to do with whether or not it's right. Historical six days. Right.
1: Yeah. The unless theolo- you take
0: it to an extreme or something which i think that it's only there things. to
1: be a theological point and it's yeah. only there for a theological like a to make to like to make this theological point and it has no connection to history right which i'll just say appears to me to be why uh the divines rejected augustine's view because mm-hmm. right he ends up getting to the seven days are there to make to help us understand creation and as a theological point
0: but because it's
1: instantaneous Hmm. it has no it does not connect directly to history yeah and so uh i'll tell you what i think the exceptions exist the exceptions exist all right i'll probably put this all at the end so you have an exception to the westminster confession of faith if you hold to a view that did not exist when they were alive that's That's my crazy hot take on that, everybody.